I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today, I'm joined by photographer extraordinaire John Cavalier and PGA Tour star Zach Blair. Guys, welcome on. Thanks, man. It's good to be back. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, bringing back the crew. Talk a little bit of golf courses, architecture, um, see what else we get into. You guys have good Christmases? Absolutely. Holiday is always a fun time of year. Yeah, yeah, it was good out here. Uh, nice to spend some time at home. This podcast is making my, my Christmas, though, Andy. I, to be honest, as, as original guest way back when on, I think, episode uh, 13 of the podcast, I wasn't sure that, uh, you know, our stars were bright enough to hang on a fried egg after you've uh, really taken this thing off over the last year. So I'm, I'm very uh, honored to be on. <laughs> You, you know, you can't help, you can't forget the people that made the, made the podcast what it is. Um, well, and, I'm and, thrilled to be back. You know, I have to redeem myself. I was a much worse host than, than I am now. I'm still a horrible host, but I feel like I might be getting a little bit better. Um, let's kick things off. I, uh, I wanted to uh, go do a rundown of our uh, favorite courses, new courses that we played this year. So not necessarily new, but new to us. And uh, I think we each got a list of 10 together and we'll uh, each, uh, each name one at a time. I, I didn't really put mine in order because I don't, I don't like ranking courses, but I don't know if you guys have it in order. I can shuffle it into a semblance of an order if so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're all good. All the ones that I got listed are are solid. So I guess the order doesn't really matter much. Yeah, let's uh, let's start, John. You kick it off. Sure. So, like you said, I can't believe it. It was a pretty uh, pretty solid year for uh, for new to me golf courses, especially the the first half of the year. And like you said, I can't believe I'm about to leave some of these off. But I guess we can talk about some of. Uh, some of these places uh, that are outside my top ten when we talk about the, the happy surprises and the hidden gems. But uh, so my my ten best new to me courses uh, from 2017. Uh, I'll go in reverse order here. And again, these are loose because you know when you really get down to it, who's to say whether one of these is better than the other? But in any event, uh, at number ten, I have uh, Monterey Peninsula Country Club, uh, the Shore Course which just nudges out the uh, the dunes course. We talked a little about this last time. Um, but uh, I just, I am absolutely enamored with Monterey Peninsula Country Club. Uh, I think it's quite possibly the best 36-hole uh, facility in the country. Uh, so the, uh, the shore course gets my vote there by a narrow margin. Uh, at nine, I have uh, Mid-Ocean Club in Bermuda, which uh, I went and saw in March. And... Um, Certainly, as you know, Andy, I'm a big C.B. McDonald's fan. 
Uh, so I had really been looking forward to getting over there, uh, and it did not disappoint uh, in the least. It is absolutely gorgeous. And to play uh, some C.V. McDonald architecture and see those templates in an environment like that uh, is just, it's amazing. Uh, so I had a blast there. Um, number eight, uh, Gaza Ranch, which uh, met and exceeded every bit of my already high expectations. Uh, seven, Milwaukee Country Club, which uh, uh, is just a terrific place uh, with some really amazing classic architecture. Uh, six uh, and five, I actually have two uh, dope courses. I have Rock Creek Cattle at six, and I have Ballyneal at five. Uh, those are similar in a certain sense in that they're both sort of uh, off the beaten path, uh, but both are absolutely wonderful courses. Four, I have Camargo Club which, uh, as you may remember from the last podcast, was one of the places I wanted to see uh, most in 2017. So I finally got out there, uh, and it is truly a special uh, Seth Rainer design, uh, some really bold templates, which we can talk more about. Uh, And then my top three uh, new-to-me places for 2017 uh, is a pretty good trifecta, uh, and we could put these in any order, and they could all stand, so I'll just rattle them off. I have Sand Hills, uh, Pine Valley, at number two, which I finally got to play uh, several times in 2017, actually. Uh, And then uh, at number one, I have Cypress Point Club, which um, if uh, your listeners follow me on Twitter or Instagram at all, they know that I have been wallpapering my accounts with photos from Cypress for the last 11 months. Uh, And it is is everything that uh, I had ever hoped a golf course could be, and then a whole lot more. Uh, it is beautiful. To say it's a beautiful place is really to do it an injustice. It is as close to uh, my vision of heaven on earth uh, as I could have possibly uh, imagined. And uh, so to get out there in 2017, um, it's not easy to find a course that you would, quote, rank ahead of Pine Valley. Um, and again, you could put these in any order, but Cypress Point was just an incredible experience. Yeah, that's, so that's my top 10. Kind of the way I feel with like the very best golf courses. Every one of them, you walk off it and you're like, "Oh, that that might be the best golf course in the world," you know. And you, you exactly. Say that. Um, but uh, which uh, which of that ten were you kind of? Which one did you have the least expectation going into that got its way in there? That's a good question. Um, I, I think it would probably be Rock Creek. Uh, simply because I didn't know that much about it. I, I just knew that it was a doke course uh, in Montana. Uh, I'd never been to Montana. I, I actually played it when I was in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, uh, in August uh, for one of my wife's races. So I drove over to Deer Lodge. Um, actually left Coeur d'Alene at midnight to do that drive. You lose an hour uh, driving east. Uh, and, you know, I just... I knew it would be good because I knew it was a dope. It's on some rankings lists, uh, and uh, I certainly knew it would be beautiful given its location, but I was just really impressed with everything about the place. It is a really neat environment. Um, the golf course is just an incredible design. It's mountainous, but it's still walkable. It really encourages fun ground shots, which you don't see at mountain courses very often. Uh, the scenery was gorgeous. The conditions were absolutely perfect. Um, and so having played there and driving back to, to Coeur d'Alene, there's a lot of time to think about it. And it just really struck me as a place that was virtually perfect. I mean, it's 
it's one of those rare courses you walk off and you think that there's really nothing you could change to make it better. Um, it, just, it just really blew me away. Uh, and I guess they should be used to that now uh, in seeing these dope destination courses. Like Ballyneal, for example, which is another of my favorites. But uh, I just heard more about Ballyneal. I knew what I was getting into when I played out there. Uh, and I didn't have those kinds of sort of preconceived notions or, you know, I, I hadn't done any study about Rock Creek before I went out and played it. Um, so I really went in as a blank canvas. And um, it was just a spectacular place. I mean, anybody ever out there, if you're looking for places to play and you have some access, uh, or even if you don't, you give the club a call and see what they say. But it is a course that I recommend most highly to anyone who is up uh, and in that area. It's just terrific. That's uh, I've heard from a lot of people. Some people think it might be his best design, Doak, ever, but it just lacks the, the seaside um, eye candy that like a Pacific Dunes, a Terry Eady has. Yeah. I think that's I think that's very fair. I mean, my three favorite doe courses are Pack Dunes, Valley Neal, and, and Rock Creek. And depending on what your preferences are or what you feel like playing on a given day, I think you could very easily rank those three in any order. And and, and all of them are terrific. All three are very very high on my uh, on my personal list of favorite modern golf courses. So uh, moving on, ZB, what do you got for us? Yeah. So you know. When we, we were talking about this, I uh, I didn't play a lot of new courses, I didn't think, but then you kind of were a little shocked and gave me all the courses that I had played. So the list came a little easier after that. Uh, I would go uh, Shadow Creek in uh, Vegas. The Foz came through with a, with a nice one down there. Um, got over to Marion. That was awesome i was actually i had heard kind of you know a few different people talk about it and a couple people had said how amazing it was and then a few people were kind of shocked that it was ranked so high so i kind of went in with uh low expectations for that uh you know grade of a golf course and was pretty blown away when i got when i got done i was kind of offended that somebody actually multiple people thought that it wasn't like that good. So that was really <laughs> cool. Um, the Pine Valley short course, I got to play that this year for the first time. And that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, we need to talk about that, Zach. Sorry to interrupt you, but I also played the short course for the first time this year and I was blown away. So we, we can talk about that after you give us your list. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, 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 for sure. I would love to. Uh, I played LACC, the South course that uh, Gil Hans did, and that was really, really cool. I think it's a nice compliment to the uh, North course over there. It's just a fun, fun course. I think there's, you know, there's like six par fives and five par threes or something. And, you know, it's just really cool. It's just, it, it's more of a fun golf course compared to the North, which is very much of like a championship style place. Uh, the, the South is a little different, but it's really cool. Uh, I also got to go play the redo at, uh, Aronimic, which was awesome. Blown away actually with that one was kind of another one. Wasn't expecting, um, I wasn't expecting it to be that amazing and it was, um, then I got down to Australia and played some sweet spots, played Victoria, 
Um, Kingston Heath was another one that was really, really cool. And then Royal Melbourne was probably my favorite thing you would expect it to be from the stuff you hear. Um, another cool one that I, I got to do with you, actually, Andy, was play a little dirt golf at the uh, at the Buck Club earlier this year. So I'm going to throw that one on my uh, on my list. And then the last one, another one with you was out in Chicago, got to hit up Shore Acres, which was sick. You know, I'm a big Seth Rayner fan, the Rayner man. So uh, those are kind of my list. Yeah, that that dirt golf was an unforgettable experience, you know. Yeah, that, that, that was really fun. I don't know, you know, how often you can go to a piece of property and go out and you know, put the cups and the pins in the ground and actually go play like 13 or 14 of the holes that you're uh, planning out and actually make it playable. But it was definitely really cool. So that, that was probably, that was one of my favorite rounds of the year. Yeah. John's got to get out there next time we go. I'm sure. dying to. Um, so I'll, I'll give you my 10, um, not in any particular order. I have uh Moraine country club in Dayton, which is uh, recently redone by Keith Foster. Uh, it's an Alec Nipper Campbell design. And I had been told by somebody that it was like one of the 25 best courses in the country. And I kind of was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then I went out and played it. Uh, like, And he said classic courses in the country. And like it, for the, I, I would say that it is one of the best you know, courses that I've ever played. I haven't played them all, so I can't say that with defini- uh, definitive, uh, definitively that it was uh, one of the top 25, but just unbelievable land and um, just a great championship golf course. Uh, I have oh, sa- sand hills in there, which obviously, I mean, just the whole experience of going to sand hills and then, you know, the golf course is absolutely remarkable the scale is jaw-dropping um every hole is just packed with strategy and there are so many alternate routes of play like you can play it so many different ways it is uh it is very very cool and a not too tough of a golf course for like a beginner is one of the coolest things i think about that place is that a 30 handicap can go out there and have a decent time because those contours can really help them, and it's you don't spend very much time looking for golf balls. Um, uh, one that I went out with you, Zach, uh, Fisher's Island is on that list. Another unbelievable golf experience. And, you know, you one of those ones that you don't never know when you'll get back there, so you cherish it. Um, we had like an absolutely perfect day out there, and just. The scenery mixed with the Rainer templates is, uh, it gives you like a, a slice of what Cypress Point, as Seth Rainer Cypress Point might have been, you know? Um, then, uh, Chicago Golf. That was a really cool one. I did Chicago Golf, Shore Acres, and, and Fishers all in like a 10 day stretch. It was, uh, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, but Chicago Golf, uh, I mean, the scale, and it, it, it's similar to what you said about Marion is you hear a lot of people say Chicago golf's not that great. Oh, it's not that special. And then you get out there and you're like, what, what were those people talking about? Um, yeah. 
a modern one that I really liked. I, I played Kingsley Club up in northern Michigan. That's a really cool place. Really cool course. Um, would anybody that gets a chance to go up there, I would highly recommend. Um, and then I would throw it in there right next next to it is Crystal Downs, which, uh, you know, I, I walked off Sand Hills and I was like, wow, that might be the best golf course in the world. And then I walked off Crystal Downs a couple weeks later and was like, whoa, that might be the best golf course in the world. Um, I mean, that place with the land, the greens, it, it is truly, truly amazing. Um, a funny story from there was I was, I was played, I ended up playing with this guy that was a, uh, clearly a, a, you know, somebody that was more, uh, interested in checking off lists than like really, you know, understanding why Cypress or why Crystal Downs was so great. And we were in the locker room after the round and he, he said, you know, uh, I don't, I don't think that course was that great. And I go, and I like, meanwhile, I'm in like the complete opposite state of mind, taking my shoes off, like, like, you know, completely shocked at how amazing what I just saw was. And he goes, you know, the views just weren't that good. <laughs> so that was a, that was a funny story from that, that trip. And then, uh, I would say Bally Neal is in there, uh, Doak's course in Colorado. I mean, just jaw dropping, uh, scale ground movement. I mean, that, that land site is, is something that you can't believe until you get out there. Um, then, uh, a public one that everybody, like it's on my list that every single person in America should go play. If you love golf course architecture is Pasa Tiempo. Um, it is absolutely worth the $200 ticket to go play it. You know, um, it is, you know, a really great McKenzie golf course. Uh, the back nine is one of the best nine holes of golf anywhere in the world. And, uh, there aren't many, um, public McKenzie courses that are, you know, that can give you the idea of what arguably the greatest golf course architect and ever, you know, how his work was, um, in the States at least. And then, uh, my last spot, I couldn't, couldn't decide between St. Louis country club and then Culver, the nine court nine hole course in Indiana, uh, which is a Langford Moreau. And then St. Louis country club is a McDonald. So I, I kind of have those slashed. I also saw Culver for the first time this year. Uh, and I'm with you there. I was astonished at, uh, at how cool that place was. And what a neat little nine hole golf course. I would say nothing to do, nothing to do about your list, but one of the stories you told in there about the guy when you played, uh, uh, crystal downs, kind of the same thing. When I played Marion, something that I've learned in the last couple of years is it's just something like either people get it or they don't. You know, and it's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with the people that don't get it about like, you know, really good golf course architecture, but it's just something, you know, there's just people out there that just don't understand it and they don't get it. And that's, you know, something that I didn't, I couldn't grasp. I couldn't get my head around it for a couple of years thinking, you know, there were people out there that didn't understand that this was amazing, but just people just have different you know, opinions, you know what I mean? And it's just wild to think that, that, that it's possible that some people 
don't think that there's those places that are that amazing. Um, but it just, it, it, it just kind of happens. It's kind of weird. Yeah. He, he was, uh, he kept going on and on and on about how awesome Arcadia Bluffs was, but like that. And I mean, that's a really cool place. It's a, it's a beautiful place that you'll like, the views are unbelievable and I really enjoyed playing out there, but like, it's not a place that I'm ever dying to go back and play, but like Crystal Downs, like I like woke up this morning thinking about like the, the six hole there and how, how cool it is, you know, it was like, I've never done that with Arcadia Bluffs. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Well, and you hope, you hope it's a matter of sort of education progressing along as, as people see more courses. I mean, look, not for nothing, but the three of us have seen a, a lot of, golf courses good and bad and when you when you have that i mean look when i first started out and got into the game and was really you know fresh to this and seeing new places you know i I was more enamored most likely at that point with with a lookout over a lake than i was over the, the design of a particular hole but as you see more and more you you hope at least and i'd say this it's a very it's a very real risk of sounding pretentious about it and i don't mean to but you hope that as people see more and are exposed to more of these these designs in different spots and different locations that they that they at least begin to start to grasp the the ideas and the concepts and the reasons that make a place like Crystal Downs so special or a place like Marion so special. Um, and I say that in, in in their hopes, not my own. I mean, granted, the more people who are interested in this, the more people I have to talk to about it which I enjoy doing, and it's a fun way to entertain myself. But it strikes me as a real shame that anybody could go to a place like Marion or a place like Crystal Downs and walk off thinking that it was anything other than an amazing golf course. Uh, you know, the idea that something like that is lost on somebody, it's, it strikes me as similar to somebody walking around the Louvre and, and seeing all these masterworks and thinking, eh, you know, I don't see what the big deal is. You know, that, that's that's a real shame. Um, and hopefully, you know, those people eventually do come around. And I think a lot of people do. Uh, and I'm one of them. You know, I'll admit to that. I am absolutely a person who early on could not grasp the real significance of, of certain places and certain concepts. Um, but as I saw more and I, I developed a greater base of knowledge, I was more able to do those kind of things. So I hold out hope for them. Yeah, the... Um... I think that it is so true. It's it and it require you know. It, there's just the hardest thing is is learning this stuff. It, it it's it can't be done overnight. It's uh and you know frankly like some people play golf for different reasons. You know, so uh, it's uh I always wonder what what the top 100 ranking list was. And, and it's almost impossible to do. But if 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 see like ocean views wasn't a part of it or water views like where certain places would rank very true yeah. and look I'm a, I'm a photographer in addition to being a golfer and so i love nothing more than uh, than a golf course sitting next to an ocean um and it's a factor in how i look at golf courses I, I, again i admit to that but it is interesting to see how a place like on the modern side ballyneal or sandhills or on the classic side, a place like, I mean, Shore Acres is a great example. It's right there next to a lake, but there are no views of the lake. Uh, but I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who thinks that that is anything less than an outstanding golf course. So it is interesting in that regard. 
Zach, you're you're building a uh, course without any ocean views. How how would you uh, how would you combat that? Yeah, you know my uh, my options for ocean views in Utah were were limited. So uh, now, but you know, at the end of the day, when when you see like the number one course in the world, Pine Valley is in the middle of like the Pine Barrens, no ocean views, and it's consistently ranked number one it kind of gives you hope that, you know, you can do it. So, um, it's just, it's just things, uh, you know, you hope you build a really good golf course that people have fun at and enjoy. And that's kind of the, the only thing you can do. Do you guys have well, also, I mean, I, I've seen the photos uh, of your day out there and, you know, you might not have an ocean Zach, but you got some pretty incredible views at that place. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. You know, I kind of, I'm always a little uh, worried when I take people out out there because I'm so spoiled with, you know, living in Utah my whole life and, grew, you know, growing up in Park City and having these unbelievable mountain views. And so when you go there, you don't know how people will react really when they see it. But it usually, I mean, everyone I've taken out there has always been pretty blown away with, with how cool it is. So, um that that's always nice. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, so uh let's move on to the uh to the biggest surprises. What uh what places that might not have made that uh the ten best that you saw list uh that really surprised you? You want me to go first? Whatever whatever order you wanna go. Zach, you wanna go? No no no, Cavalier, go first. All right. Uh, I'll name a few. Um so some of these are more surprising than others, but uh, on the list of places that really exceeded my expectations this year or gave me something I wasn't expecting, uh, Bel Air Country Club uh, is a place that really blew my socks off. Uh, I thought it was absolutely incredible. I went in there thinking that it was going to be really rough around the edges, given that at the time they were scheduled to close for a uh, Tom Doak restoration. Um, and usually when a course is undergoing a restoration, it's for a pretty significant reason given the cost. So I wanted to see it before so that I could compare it after. Uh, and what was on the ground at the time, and this was in May, uh, was astonishing to me. I thought it was incredible. One of the most ingeniously routed golf courses that I had ever seen, uh, and some truly out, just outstanding golf holes there. So the idea that Tom Doak is now there working on restoring it to the George Thomas original design excites me to no end, and I can't wait to get back. That was a great one. Uh, Colorado Golf Club by uh, Corin Crenshaw outside of Denver uh, was a place, uh, same thing. I mean, I had pretty high expectations going in, but uh, what I ended up seeing there was really beyond anything I had hoped for. Um, it's one of the best modern courses I had ever played. And I don't know that I've ever played a modern course that, that fits its surroundings as well as this place does. Uh, the views are incredible. The uh, the design is fantastic. And it is just a super fun place to play golf. Uh, really a big fan of that place. Uh, while we're on uh, the Corn Crenshaw stuff, uh, Sand Valley, and uh, in particular Mammoth Dunes. Uh, Sand Valley is obviously wonderful. It's already ranked on the uh, the U.S. Top 100 list, and with good reason. Uh, it's a public golf course, and for all your listeners who are out there looking for public golf destinations, Sand Valley is, um, if not there already, it's certainly on the cusp of entering into that uh, 
that Band and Dunes, Scream Song, Kohler, uh, short list of places that are just the, the very best for public destination golf in the United States. Um, but Mammoth Dunes in particular, uh, I think I, there were only six holes open when I played it, uh, but I was able to walk and see the rest of the golf course. Uh, that's the David McClay kid course, uh, the second course there. Uh, I, I am very eager to see the finished product uh, because that course, at least in my experience, was really unique uh, amongst uh, American public golf courses. Massively wide fairways, humongous greens, uh, just an amazing place to play for both the novice and the experts. Um, it's going to be terrific, and I can't wait to see how it stacks up to uh, to Sand Valley. Um, I was able to see West Hampton and Southampton uh, this year, which were the two Rainers uh, left on Long Island that I hadn't seen. Uh, and again, given that I'm a Rainer fan, I knew I'd like them. But uh, those are courses that are really overshadowed, given the neighborhood that they're in, uh, with National Golf Links and Shinnecock right down the street. Uh, other big name moderns like Friars Head and uh, Sabonic are nearby. You've Maidstone down the street, so it's a tough neighborhood. But these two courses were just classic gems that don't get the recognition uh, or the exposure that they deserve. And if you scooped them up and planted them in any other location in the country, I think that they would each get serious consideration for uh, for top 100 lists. They're just fantastic examples of classic architecture that are well-maintained uh, and that just have features that you don't get to see very often outside of these these classic courses that uh, that Rainer and his contemporaries built. Um, other than that, at White Bear Yacht Club was a course that really exceeded my expectations. Um, super fun uh, course outside of Minneapolis. Some of the most wild fairways I've ever seen. Elevation changes, uh, slopes in the greens and the features. It just... It's a one-of-a-kind place. Uh, I'm not sure why it doesn't get more uh, more recognition. I don't know if it's overshadowed by, uh, you know, the other big-name Minneapolis courses like uh, Interlochen and Hazeltine, but it is a tremendous, tremendous spot. Um, other than that, you mentioned Culver. That was a place that really uh, was terrific. We'll talk more about the Pine Valley Shore course um, a little uh, a little later on, I guess. And um, Otherwise, uh, I'd say that's that's really it. Oh, Valley Neal, the Mulligan course there, the par three course that Doak built. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go out to Valley Neal, this is for your listeners. Make sure, just like it's Dan and Dunes with the preserve, make sure you build in time to play the Mulligan course because I guarantee you, you have never seen anything like this place. The wildest greens I have ever seen uh, on a golf course. I don't know what Tom Doak was thinking or doing or drinking when he built these things. But I am I am very much in favor of uh, of whatever he did to uh, to create these things because they are absolutely amazing, uh, and I can't imagine anybody going out there and seeing these these greens and playing this little course uh, would have anything less than one of the most enjoyable rounds of their life. So highly recommended, uh, and I think that's it for me on my list. ZB. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> when I was thinking about this, there was definitely one place that. Uh, was in my top 10 new courses for 2017 that I totally just botched and missed. Baltimore Country Club um, was so sick. Like, 
I was, uh, we, we had went out, we were trying to play burning tree the week of the, the, uh, uh, quick and loans national in Washington, DC. And that kind of fell through. So we went up and played Elkridge, which is an old Rainer course, kind of just, I guess, North of Baltimore. And, uh, someone reached out on Twitter and was like, Hey, if you're over there, you should come over to, uh, you know, Baltimore country club. It's like the best course in, uh, in the area. And we were like, yeah, whatever, we'll come over. We'll, you know, it was Wednesday of the tournament. And we were like, yeah, we'll, we'll shoot over there and went over there and immediately like stepping on the first hole, it has that like, wow, scale. And we were like, okay, yeah, this is, this is legit. And it was really, really cool. So that, I, I don't know what I would bump out on my top 10, but I'm throwing that one in there. So we'll go top 11, but, uh, um, some courses that, that were kind of under the radar that surprised me, um, Shady Oaks down uh, in Fort Worth went and played that. That was really cool. They're um, they're just about to tear it up and do a big renovation. And they uh, they also had a really cool short course out there that had just got done. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, Barn Boogle Dunes and Lost Farm down in Tasmania. I was very surprised with both of them. Um, you know the the dunes course probably the more famous one i guess down there dope did that one and it was awesome probably honestly um out of all the courses we played in australia i would say it was up there with um it was just consistently hole to hole really really good there was no real like low points or or spots that kind of felt like they didn't belong it was really solid all uh all 18. And then the Lost Farms course was a core Crenshaw, um, had one of the coolest opening stretches I've ever seen on a golf course. And then the, the finish there was pretty strong too. So I, um, I got a no, question. How would you yeah. uh, compare like Melbourne golf to like, say like New York or, or Philly, like as a golf scene? Um, I would say it's, you know, just as good. Uh, what's cool. And, you know, when I played in Philly this year, we went Marion, Aronimic and Pine Valley, you know, they're all within 40 minutes of each other. Same thing. You get up to Long Island and you, you know, you go play some of those places, obviously national and shinny and Southampton are right there, but then everything else, you know, is within an hour, I would say maybe an hour and 30 minutes. The difference with Melbourne is everything's like five minutes away. So, you know, you got, you got Victoria, both courses at Royal Melbourne, Kingston Heath, um, Metro, Yara Yara, you know, you've got all these courses, Commonwealth, you've got 15 golf courses that are like world-class courses within like five to 10 minutes of each other. So I would say that's kind of the, the biggest difference is just the proximity. They're just, it's crazy. So, uh, somebody actually, I think Ogilvy was telling me it was actually kind of just by chance that it happened. All the courses originally in Melbourne were kind of near the downtown area. And then it started getting busy and a lot of the cl clubs were like, yo, we should, we should like move our course because we don't want to be like where it's this busy. And they just happened to pick like that area. And it was like this perfect sandy soil. 
Um, so, so it was pretty cool how it all happened and, and it's a really cool area. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's cool. What about that? Uh, I was wondering about that Keeney park place. Oh, I was just, I just had it on my list right there. Keeney park in Hartford. Uh, I, I went over there a couple times actually during the week of, uh, the Hartford tournament and it's really cool. It's kind of got like a, a twist on a lot of template holes and it's, it's really neat. I would highly recommend it, uh, to anybody that's kind of up there to at least go check it out. I mean, I mean, they were really cool out there. It wasn't too busy, but um, I, I thought it was really fun. I, I enjoyed that a lot. And then my last one would probably be uh, the Bad Little Nine at Scottsdale National. Um, I went out there this year during the uh, waste management on on a Wednesday, and that thing is crazy how cool it is like out of this world that's uh by the, by the way second second vote for uh keeney park here i played there last uh, fall while i was up in hartford uh, for a trial and uh I, I thought that was just a super cool place it's a muni that they're they've been putting some money back into and uh they just have some fantastic holes there i, I was really surprised it would have made my list this year uh, had i played in 2017 that's how I, I, uh, the pictures Zach sent me of that place, like I've like instantly, I now have it like circled if I'm ever within, you know, anywhere close to now. What's it cost? Like 30, 40 bucks. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say like yeah, 25. It's yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, that, that's the type of golf course that needs to live more. And like, it, I don't know how conditioning is there, but like looking past the conditioning and looking at like the cool golf shots you get a hit and the interesting situations you get in is just so important. That's uh, I've got a couple of those places on my list uh, of surprises. Two of them are in Cleveland. So this place, uh, Manakiki, which is an old Donald Ross and uh sleepy hollow, which is the old Stanley Thompson. But uh, both of them are in disrepair. I, unfortunately you like offensive cart pass, like just, some of the worst car path placement I've ever seen in my life. Um, so I took a I took a picture of one of the holes out at Manakiki. It's like this. You'll love this, Zach and and John. It's, it's like a 210 yard par three, and I guess they have the Cleveland Am there every year, and the cart path is literally one foot off the green. And uh, so and there's like a, this big ravine behind the green, so like you know you can miss this you're hitting like a long iron and you can miss the green by a foot and it hits the cart path and kicks into an unplayable lie <laughs> but um i mean when i posted a picture there like i got like 20 emails from people that played in the cleveland am complaining about that cart path which is funny but man if you if you put a million dollars into one of those places you would come back with like just an and one of the better public courses in the in the country um and then a uh another surprise i had on here was uh the country club at in cleveland you know i kind of went into it with no expectations and my god like i i almost put that into my my 10 best like it is so so good it just like reaffirms my love of william flynn seeing like his a great course of his outside of philly um, God, he, he just knew how to build a really good golf course 
And then uh, the last one, I gotta gotta give my boy Reese a shout out. Reese Jones redesigned or re- restored Medina number two. Like it is really good. Lots of short. A restoration. Yes, I I I mean, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like three holes in, I was like, man, this is pretty good. You know, I went into it with with like expecting something to be messed up, but like I really enjoyed my round. Yo, Andy. So there's there's this course in uh, in Cleveland. It's you know it's like ten minutes away from uh, from the country club. It's called Acacia. Mm-hmm. It was this old Donald Ross track um, that went under. They're going to build like houses on it. But there's this Highland Park place that's literally like right across the street from Canterbury that is like this 36 hole like public place. I don't really I don't know much about it. I think it's OK. I mean, it hosted like a Cleveland State Open or something way back in the day that Arnold Palmer won. But they tried to save it. They tried to save the Donald Ross course by saying like, Hey, we'll give you the Highland park place to build houses on. It's 36 holes. And we'll put all that money into this Acacia place that there was this old Donald Ross track up there that is supposed to be like super sick, but they lost it. Now it's just like some park overgrown, like, like, uh, like some lot, like, uh, like reservation they've turned it into for, for the next couple of years until they build houses on it. I thought you would have liked that though. Have you ever heard of that place? Acacia? Uh, I haven't. I, it just makes me sad. It's yeah. It was the, this guy, when I was up having lunch in Cleveland was telling me about it and he was like, yeah, man, we did every, we tried so hard to make them do like that. There was some like tax break they could take if they if they flipped the courses and did it at the other one but the the city ended up not doing it and this guy was so bummed because he grew up playing at this acacia donald ross course but uh i uh i wanted to go check it out but it's all overgrown now you can't even like recognize anything anymore it sucks it's uh 2017 is going to be the year i think back and remember how i got way too deep in in the municipal golf game and uh <laughs> the just how maddening it is and how oh god uh, it's it's just a nightmare it's like it, it, it these you realize these courses are destined to be a shell of what they should be because of like just the the situation they're in you know and uh like the town will always look at them as a service and you know, for the most part, a lot of times a loss on the balance sheet and can never, you know, see that how much better it could be. Andy, two courses right now, if you could, if you could take them back to what they originally were or like what they were meant to be, what two courses would you change? Um, Public or any courses? Any course in America. Oh, man. I wasn't ready for this Focus. question. Focus. Tough question. <laughs> um, you too, John. Pe- Pebble Beach would be one of mine. That's Ag- I mean, Augusta. 
right? Pebble Beach. You see, you see old pictures of Pebble Beach, and, and look, Pebble Beach is obviously a great course uh, as it sits today. But if you ever see old pictures of Pebble floating around online with the dunes and the exposed sand and the oddly shaped greens and the beautiful bunkers, uh, it will make you weep for what could be there. Uh, yeah. So that's yeah, totally I agree. One of mine. I, I got one for you guys. Sharp Park, the Mackenzie in go. San Francisco that was like the public Cypress Point. I mean, like if you could somehow, which I don't think is possible, it would just get washed away, but like... They had two, he had two holes that played right down the shoreline of, of the Pacific Ocean. Like, I mean, like, that place could be spectacular. It's another example of municipal golf and, um, you know, the trials and tribulations yeah. of, 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 you know, putting something in the hands of the government to run. Um, I've, I've been to Sharp Park, Andy, but I've never played it. I'm hoping I'm, I'll be out there in two weeks and it's on my list. So I'm hoping to get a look at it yeah. while I'm out there. I would be careful. Uh, don't I, I guess there's been a rash of uh, people punching in the backs of windows and stealing stuff out of cars. So, you know, put put your sh- stuff in your trunk. I appreciate the pro tip. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll Uber it over there. Yeah, hotel. that's what I was, I was thinking. Um, Shout then, out to Uber. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, potential sponsor of the pod, Uber. Um, but go. then, uh, I mean, I would say Sharp Park, and I think, I think, I mean, Yale would be an interesting one to look at. Oh yeah. Um, I think. Um, I think that would probably be. That'd be a pretty cool one to to look at. I, I there's so many. It's tough. I mean, uh, Lido course is the number one. Tragedy. Don't get me started. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I don't think you can get that one back. So we, you know, we'll get it. We'll get that one away. But um, what about you? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Pebble would be a cool one. Like like uh, John was saying, those those pictures you see are just out of control. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you guys kind of mentioned all of them. There's nothing, uh, no more to add. I'm good. Um, all right. So where are you guys looking? Uh, what's the, let's just say one city slash like d- densely concentrated area that you are uh, dying to see in 2018? Well, for, for me, Andy, it is 100% the uh, Atlanta Chattanooga area. It's the only area I had on my list in 2017 that I didn't get to. Um, I've played very little golf uh, in and around the, that area. And I know they're not really next to each other, but uh, they're certainly doable on the same trip. You know, but, uh, uh, you guys, you guys, we didn't play our round at National Golf Links like we talked about. And you guys didn't go to Sweetens like you guys promised me. That's so what I'm, I'm saying. I'm, I, I, I get now, asked about Sweetens Cove more than any other course. Now, now that I remember that, like I, I probably shouldn't have re-invited you guys on until you did that. I, <laughs> you may be right, but yeah, 2018 will not pass without me getting down there. I, I am dying to see Peachtree. Uh, it's probably my number one U.S. wish list course nowadays. I've just heard so many amazing things about it. I'm dying to play there. I'd like to see East Lake. I'd like to see Cuscawilla. Uh, I certainly would like to see Honors. Uh, I'd love to see those two little nine-holers. Sweden's Cove, like I said, I get asked about it all the time. Everybody I know who's played there just raves about the place. So I really want to get down there and see that. I'd like to see uh, Sewanee. 
which I believe is a Gil Hans restoration, or maybe an original. I'm not really sure. You know, there's uh, a, there's another there, course there, out there that's like in Georgia. It's kind of in the sticks that I, I stumbled across called o- Old Tacoa, and it's a it's an Ax- Dave Axland design who's been you know one of uh, you know Corin Crenshaw's right hand man, man for like ever. And it looks incredible, and it's it's probably about an hour from Sweetens. Nine holes, right? They're trying to make it eighteen, though. Yeah, it it looks really cool. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful bunkering. Yeah, I'd add that to your good list. Pictures of that. So much good golf down there that that just is waiting. Uh, so I'm I'm dying to go down there, uh, and I know you only asked for one. But the other thing I need to do is I I need to get back to Ohio. You guys were just talking about Cleveland area courses. I did get to Ohio for a very short trip um, early in the summer in 2017 when I played Camargo and I, I also played Deerfield Village and the golf club, all of which were exceptional. But there are like 25 golf courses in Ohio that, uh, that I just hear nothing but great things about. And given, like I said, that I live in Pennsylvania, it's our neighbor to the, uh, to the west. It's disgraceful how little golf I've played in Ohio. So I'm going to get back out there at least once this year and, and try to clean some of that up. Yeah, for me, I, I mean, I can't really narrow it down to uh, like one place, but Sweetens is kind of uh, on the top of the list. I'm going to get out there, um, hopefully for DJ's birthday. And then, uh, but man, there's a bunch of places in San Francisco that I need to check out. Um, want to go check out Myopia and Essex up in the Boston area and then Sand Hills, Camargo, Crystal Downs. Um, there's too many, too many that I need to go to. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I literally, I don't know if I'm going to be in Chicago for like a week this summer, but, um, I'm, uh, I think uh so I got I got to go to New York. I got to go to New York and Boston and um you know a bunch of places but uh under the radar I really am excited. I'm going to go up to Detroit for a while. And I don't think I'm even going to play Oakland Hills. I want to play the other courses in Detroit more than Oakland Hills. Um Orchard Lake? Yeah, I want to do Orchard Lake, um Franklin Hills. Meadowbrook, um, God, I'm Bloomfield Hills, Country Club of Detroit. I mean, there, there's. I think they have they have a Travis, they have Allison, they have a Colt, they have a, um, you know, Willie Park Jr. They have, um, it, you know, it's such a. They have a Ross, you know, a few Rosses. They have such good variety of architects. That's what I really like is, uh, you know, a place where you can go and you can see five different guys work. And I think that's one of the coolest things about like Philly and, you know, and even Chicago to a certain extent, but you know, these smaller cities that have like, you know, a, a, like amazing how people got, you know, how these architects got there, you know? So true. So true. Hey, and Andy, by the way, you bring up another, I guess I brought it up with Orchard Lake, but uh, that's like the fourth, Keith Foster restoration we've mentioned on this podcast. So just shout out to Keith Foster, one of the most humble people that uh, I've ever had the pleasure of meeting in the golf business. And everything the guy touches turns to absolute golf gold. I have never played a Keith Foster restoration that I didn't absolutely love. 
Zach mentioned Baltimore Country Club earlier. Keith Foster did that restoration. Like you mentioned, he did the work at Moraine. He also did work at Philly Country Club. It's been extremely well-received. He's done things at Eastwood Ho. He's done things at Sands Point. I mean, the guy is just a master artist when it comes to restoring classic golf courses. And uh, I just wanted to take a second and and, uh, and shout out Keith Foster for everything he does. Since he, yeah. he takes very great pain to not shout out himself and to not overshadow the work of the original architect of the course that he's working on. So I'm just a huge fan of what he does. I uh, I really love his business model, which is like he only takes three jobs a year. The club has to go all in or he doesn't take the job. And uh, he has like a three-year waiting list. You know, he has to, he's booked for three years, which is it's just crazy, you know? Doesn't surprise me at all. The guy is just incredible with what he does. He does absolutely fantastic stuff. With zero ego, by the way. I mean, he he is insistent upon the fact that after he is done, his name not appear as an architect on the court. Philly Country Club wanted to, to list him as an architect alongside A.W. Tillinghast. They, they wanted to have a, a Keith Foster event for him in his honor for the great work he did there. He turns it all down. Hey, you Keith, know, he, did, uh, he did TPC Old White's the latest restoration too, right? I believe that's correct. I'm not 100 yeah, percent sure though. He killed it there too. I mean, he that kills it put, everywhere. Yeah, that, that's it everywhere. really good. Um, it was always cool, but it's it's really really good now. That's great to hear. I got to get back there. I haven't played at TPC Old White in a while. Yeah, I, I need to get there. I mean, that's where where don't I need to go? That's the better question. Um, so uh, we'll get to some Twitter questions here. Um, you know, first and foremost, Sam Sam Schumer asked John, "Why why don't you sell a calendar?" But you do. <laughs> yes, I do, and and or I did this year. Thank you for for asking about that. Um, I had a couple people make this request uh, in the fall, and so I decided to uh, to to go ahead and try to put one together. Uh, so I enlisted the help of my sister, who is a graphic designer. Uh, and who did a wonderful job putting together a little calendar for me. And I, I put it out on Twitter that uh, if people wanted to buy it, they could. Uh, and uh, the idea was to raise uh, a little bit of money for uh, a charity. Uh, and I thought that I would sell a couple um, of them. But to be perfectly honest with you, the response was amazing. Um, and I sold uh, more than I ever thought I would. And as a result, um, we were able to, to recently make a, a nice donation of $2,500 to uh, the Woodstock Sanctuary, which is a, an animal rescue up in New York that my wife is very involved in. Uh, and I should say that my wife is, is a very big uh, supporter uh, of animal rights charities, and she actually had uh, the misfortune of being diagnosed with breast cancer uh, over the summer. Um and everything's going well. She went through chemotherapy uh, and just had her surgery, actually, uh, less than a week ago. And uh, she's doing great. But during the, the process, which can obviously be hard on people, she would occasionally go up to Woodstock uh, to volunteer and do a little bit of work. And as she always says, it's, as much as it's an animal sanctuary, it's really a, a human sanctuary uh, as well. And she would always feel really good and refreshed when she would leave. Uh, and so it's been a charity that we've supported for a while. And to be able to donate uh, some money to them, uh, was really the, the best thing about 2017 for me. Um, I was honored to do that. I can't thank the people 
who were kind enough to buy these calendars through Twitter uh, for me and for the charity. Um, the charity is obviously thrilled with matching funds right now. Uh, we the, the donation that we made was double to uh, to fifty one hundred dollars. Um, and to the extent uh, any more of these things sell, we'll supplement that uh, that later on. But uh, I just can't the thank the people who follow me on social media enough for that. I mean, it, it was very, very humbling and really uh, an amazing honor to, to have people reach out and buy these calendars uh, from me uh, and, and for such a good cause. And, and given uh, what my wife has been going through and her involvement, uh, it was really just so, so nice for us and so nice for our spirits and for, for my wife's state of mind. So to, to all of my followers in general and certainly to to my followers on social media that purchase these calendars. Uh, and I know we have a lot of cross followers handy, so I'm sure a lot of them are listening right now. I, I hope that they all know how much it meant to me uh, and to my wife and to this charity that we support, uh, the way the, the, that they would do that. So thank you to all of you who, who, who bought one of my little calendars and uh, you have my undying appreciation for that. And the good news is it's still not 2017, so there's still time. So we'll put a we'll put a link in the uh, in the podcast and uh, on social media so people can uh, know where to get them. That's nice of you. Orders are still trickling in, and I still do have uh, plenty of calendars sitting around my apartment uh, waiting to go out. So uh, thank you for that, Andy. All right. Um, so. Uh, Carve for the course wants to know what courses you've played that were not very photogenic, but uh, that were very photogenic. Actually, that were photogenic, but not architecturally sound. Well, as I said on Twitter, I think the big one for this is, is Trump National LA is a golf course that I it really sticks out in my mind for several reasons, some good, some not so good. Um, it is on an unbelievably beautiful piece of property. Uh, it's just south of L.A. It's on a little finger of land that, that sticks out on the other side of the road into the ocean. You have beautiful views of, I guess it's, I guess it's Catalina Island uh, out there in the Pacific Ocean. It's, it's hanging right off a cliff um, on the edge of the Pacific. It is an absolutely all-world beautiful site for a golf course. And the so it's photogenic as, as all get out. I mean, you can't take a bad picture there. But the golf holes are just bizarre to me. Um, my understanding is that Pete Dye built the golf course, and then Trump himself came in and tinkered with it and changed things. And uh, the result is just a golf course that is disjointed. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't it doesn't capture the best attributes of the land and and incorporate them into the, the design. The design of the golf holes itself are very artificial. It's just, it's a real head scratcher. A lot of the holes play back and forth horizontally along the slope of the land. So there is a lot of goofy tilt to the course. It's almost like playing golf on like a, a rice farming terrace where, you know, you go across the property one way, then you step down 20 feet, come back across the property the other way, and then down another 20 feet. It's just, it's a very strange design, and given the, the location and the land, uh, I mean, look, it's probably going to fall off into the sea one day anyway because it is awfully precarious looking. But the, the fact that a golf course that is of what we'll call less than uh, less than ideal architectural merit occupies a space of land like that, in my view, is just sort of a tragedy. Um, and and I, I hope that one day 
it gets the uh, the designer and the architectural work that a piece of property like that deserves. Um, but it is beautiful. There's no denying that. I mean, it is a gorgeous piece of property. ZB, you got any courses that you've been just uh, disappointed with? You had high hopes? Man. Is, is that just a uh, weekly occurrence on the PGA Tour? Yeah, Zach plays on tour, so so he probably has a lot of them, but he's probably got to be a little careful. <laughs> you know, we we uh, the the good thing is the courses are in really really good shape every single week out on tour, so that that helps for sure. Um, but yeah, we just we don't play a lot of amazing golf courses week in and week out. They're they're pretty good for tournaments. Um, but you know, just as a as a big like architecture geek, there aren't too many awesome ones. Riviera is one that kind of sticks out that that is sure. really good. But uh, um, I don't know, man. There, I can't. I didn't get to play like a ton of places this year that were that were new, that were bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, kind of I, I kind of try and do a little research before I. I'm a little bit of a you know snob that way. I like to go play really good places. <laughs> I feel like that's an article. ZB, I got a question for you in that regard. When you're out there playing in an event, because I know that you're certainly more architecturally inclined than most tour players, and you're you know on Thursday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday of an event, and you're sitting there at 200 par, and you get to, say, the fifth hole, right? I mean, obviously, you're locked in. You're, you're playing your game. You're trying to score your best. Is there ever a point in time where, where you're in the middle of a tournament and you think, you know, wow, this is a really great hole architecturally, or wow, I wonder what the architect was thinking here because this just doesn't make any sense. I mean, do, does your does your interest in architecture cross over into your mind when you're actually playing in a tournament? Um, not as much. Not as much in like the actual like Thursday through Sunday stuff. I right. kind of just tune it out a little bit, but in practice rounds, yeah, for sure. Um, it's something that, you know, over the last couple of years, as I've gotten more involved with it and kind of more into it, it pops. But yeah, yeah, there are always times that I'm like, I, I, I also notice a lot of things that I, you know, tell to other people that they're just like, how would you ever even like think <laughs> of that? And it's just kind of how, how my brain works now a little bit. So um, it's good though. You know, I see a lot of things good and bad that I would like to incorporate at my place and a lot of bad things that I'm like, you just have to stay away from doing that. So, so you see a lot of things that help. You know, that's uh, I, I get asked by a lot of people like, do you have fun playing golf anymore? And it's like, you know, when, when I play bad places, I do get a little frustrated, but you know, it's still golf. And then, uh, when I play the really great places, it just makes you appreciate it more. Um, you know, we, I, one place I forgot to mention was the sandbox, this par three course up at sand Valley. It's super cool. It's uh Zach, yeah. you'd love it. It's all like template holes. Both of you guys would love it all. Like pretty much like you got like a mini Redan, you've got a mini devil's asshole. You've got, um, you know, mini, uh, double plateaus, but you know, what do you guys think it is about like par threes and short courses? You guys both mentioned a, a handful, including Pine Valleys that, uh, that make, you know, like what's it's, it's becoming so popular. 
Well, from my perspective, it just makes perfect sense if you're a destination, whether it's, whether you're a destination club or a destination public resort, to have a course that people can go out on at the end of the day and, and just tool around on and, and get a quick 9 or 18 in. You know, I, I tell people who go to Bandon all the time, and I, this, the, the preserve out there has gotten more recognition and notoriety, but you know, I, I'd talk to people who would go to Bandon and they'd go for two days or four days or whatever, and they'd just stick to the main courses. And it made no sense to me. I mean, here's this beautiful par three course that you can play in an hour at the end of the day uh, and and have a great time with beautiful views. And to your point, the the sandbox at, uh, at Sand Valley, it wasn't open when I was there, but I walked it and it just looks amazing. I mean, you get to hit the, the, the most enjoyable shots that you generally play on a golf course are the approaches into greens and the putts. And here's a way to go out and in a relatively short amount of time, get that experience 18 times over. It just, it makes perfect sense to me for these kinds of places to have them. The short course at Pine Valley is a little bit of a different story uh, in that, you know, it's a, it's a private club. It's, it, you know, they do have members from all over the country. So guys come in and stay there. But um, the short course at Pine Valley is just, I can't imagine a better way to warm up for a round of golf than going out and playing these 10 holes that actually mimic the approaches into the holes on the main course. I don't know who thought it up. Uh, I know that, uh, that Fazio and um, Ransom built the, the course, but it's just incredible to go out there and see these shots into these short holes that you then are literally faced with an almost identical replica into the holes on the main course. It's just a fantastic way to both preview the course and get warmed up for a round. I just, I was astonished by it. Yeah. I mean, I just think they're a lot of fun. Um, and that's kind of at the end of the day, what you, you know, what you want out of a, a golf course or a destination, is something to go enjoy and it's really easy to kind of take one or two clubs out and, and just go whip around with your friends, especially kind of, uh, as the day is ending and there's not enough time to really go out. You know, a lot of times at a golf course, you have to go out four or five holes before you come back in. So it's pointless to go try and play a few extra holes unless there's a cool whiskey loop or something like that. But some of these, you know, these par three courses and short courses are so compact and they're right together that you can kind of just go out and play as much as you want until it gets dark and kind of uh, just go have fun. Well, that's the other thing, too, Zach, is you can build a par three course. I mean, when you take away all of the land that's required for, you know, 300 yard, 250 yard tee shots, you can build a really amazing set of greens and tees in a very compact area. Uh, and a lot of these areas that are compact, they can squeeze them into spots on the property that have some of the most spectacular features, like at Bandon. So, you know, it's a no-brainer from my perspective. You know, another thing I think it does, and I don't know how you feel about this, ZB, is I feel like it, it, it lessens the skill gap when you play a short course, you know? Yeah, I mean, you... Uh that there's just um there's less shots that you have to hit you know mm -hmm. what i mean so it's exactly what you're saying you know when you go out and play a like a championship golf course you have to drive it long and straight you have to hit good you know long irons and you have to putt and chip well 
on most in most cases short courses or par three courses you don't have to do that as much to you know you know what i mean yeah so everyone that you're with if if people aren't all the same handicaps and skill level you can all go out and have fun um that's uh, that, that, it reminds yeah. me it, one of my favorite uh spots i i keep forgetting things that there's this so i was in portland for my buddy's bachelor party college buddy and like my group of college friends like very few golfers like you know one of them had never played golf in his life or actually had played it once and he was like six five but we go and play this place in downtown like close to downtown portland it was called mcmenamin's uh pub course and the the place is the the clubhouse is a bar and you go there and you pay i think it's a dollar to rent a, a club and a putter you get like a wedge and a putter and a ball every ball is a dollar that you want but all the holes are between like 40 and 70 yards and like it was actually really hard for me like cuz like they, these they'd be like straight downhill 40 yard shots like and you know you're like how do you play this with a green that like runs away and meanwhile, like my buddy, who's like a 20 handicap would hit it to like five feet and I'd be over the green, you know, it's like, I found that place to be so much fun. And like all my buddies had a great time. Even the guy that had never played golf before. Yeah, I think that's, that's where they're killing it right now. I mean, it's exactly what you said. The, the skill gap is brought in so much more and you can just go have, it's more about just having fun. You know, you're not necessarily going out to these courses to go shoot under par or try and shoot a low score. You're you're out there to have fun with your friends, and uh, that's what's so good about them, I think. Um, all right, this is a a really so we we're running low on time here, and I got a we got a ton <laughs> of questions, so we're gonna have to do some rapid fires. But this is a really good all one. Right um for all of us i'm going to take it um andrew bailey wants template you know i saw somebody getting in your grill yesterday zach about template holes we'll say inspirit template slash inspiration holes power rankings so give each of you give me your top three you know limit the reason why um i would say the double plateau is one that's really cool because you can just change it up so much and along that same lines the beer it's part three it just has so much versatility and then the the punch bowl because of how fun it is power rankings for templates number one redan because it's the best part three design in golf uh number two the uh the punch bowl just because it's awesome uh, and number three is a tougher one for me. I'm going to say the always underrated Levin concept uh, because it's really du- able to be duplicated in a variety of settings, and I always enjoy playing them. They're always amongst my favorite holes on the course. Yeah, I uh, I was going to say Levin. I, I'll change it now because I'm a contrarian. Um, <laughs> I'll go double plateau. Uh, I love. I wrote an article for Golfer's Journal. Shout out Golfer's Journal about double plateau and how awesome it is because you can put it on dead flat land and it's like an incredible hole. Um, so I'd say double plateau. I say, I'll say the short hole. I love short hole. I I love that. If you don't hit like a perfect wedge shot, you have a very, very good chance of making bogey, even if you're 15 feet away. 
Um, and then I will say the no hole. Oh, I like a no. The fish Fisher's no hole just uh, had me at at when I was searching for my ball because I had the driver yips. But I that, <laughs> I think I, that was a, one of two greens that I played ping pong. I played ping pong on on uh, the no hole and uh, the Eden hole. I was having a tough day that day. Back to back. <laughs> um, all right. Hey, how good how good is that stretch though at Fishers? Nine, ten, eleven. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, John. But what, nine, what, ten, eleven. Here, is ridiculous. What's what's your favorite three hole stretch at Fishers? This is you know we're going off the cuff. There's too many oh, good questions. God. Three, four, My five three is out of control. Yeah, it's got to be three, four, five. It has to be three, four, five. Dude, I did a I, I did a cool Twitter like giveaway this year. It was uh my friend's idea of putting a composite course together, but you had to do like two to four whole stretches at golf courses. Oh, and, I like that. And it was, uh, we got a lot of really cool courses, but that three to five at Fisher's Island is next level. That's good. It's as good as it gets. It's you know, gets. I have to and, give you some, some crap because I responded twice, but you deleted the tweets because you kept changing the rules. <laughs> No, no, that's not true. So then I lost interest, you know? I had to, I had to, people were like, they didn't understand it enough. I wasn't explaining it good enough, I guess. But uh, that's my bad. I'll yeah. send you a hat. That's a, that's a neat question, by the way. Yeah, three, four, five at Fishers, two, three, four at National. One, two, 15, three 15, at Chicago Golf. Cyprus. What about one, two, three at Chicago Golf? Yeah, that works too. That certainly works too. There, uh, there's a lot of good ones. Yeah, there are. Fourteen uh, or fifteen, sixteen, seventeen at Cyprus is one. Oh, this is the one you have to do. My overrated, underrated. Seventeen at Cyprus. That's you too. Underrated. You think it's underrated? underrated? I, I think it's overrated. I know, and and, and I get. I think that part of the reason that you think it's overrated and I think it's underrated is because you're a far better golfer than I am. This is why oh, I don't want to put ahead. words in your mouth, but but I, one of the reasons I think you think it's overrated is because you stand on that tee box and you're like, I know what I'm supposed to do here and I can't do it because there's a clump of trees growing in the middle of the fairway. Whereas for somebody like me, who who is a poor golfer, uh, relatively speaking, I just aim left and hope my ball ends up on solid ground and, and I'm happy. So I think that's the that's my theory as to why we differ on this whole. See, I think it's overrated because I don't think there, I think there was an actual intent to be able to go right event, you know, when, when the hole was planned out. So you could take an aggressive line right down the, down the water and have a nice wedge shot in. And that's well, been Zach, taken. That's, a- that's interesting because my one play of Cyprus, I'll have you know that I went right. <laughs> uh, un, 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 unintentionally, but we'll put that aside. I went right and hit that little two-yard strip of fairway and had a beautiful little wedge shot into that green. So maybe yes. maybe the talent gap is not as big as we initially thought. Maybe maybe that's the issue. I I, I don't yeah. think you should have uh, admitted that you were unintentionally. Like you know, you were going for that. I but do you know what I mean? I feel oh, yeah, like no, I do. I do. I feel like if there was if there was like a 15 yard fairway or you know if there was a 15 or 20 yard fairway on the right so if the trees and the bunkers were just moved left like 20 yards or 15 yards to where you could play aggressive down the right 
I think it would be such a better hole. Not that it's a terrible hole or anything no, by it any would means. Be. But, uh, you know, it's but almost I like think the it, bottle con- concept off the tee, where if you take the aggressive, or the Levin concept even, or if you take the aggressive line off the tee, you have the perfect angle into the green. I do think. Exactly. And I, I'm assuming the reason why there's not is just because the Pacific Ocean has eaten a couple of yards of that fairway as the cliff yeah. collapsed. Yeah. yeah, you make yeah. a very good point there, Zach. I certainly agree with that. You know, maybe uh, you should write a, a letter to uh, Bill Corr, you know. Tell me your thoughts. You seem to be very passionate about this. I'll uh, I'll just have you call him. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. What's the what's the least photogenic course to photograph that is the best course? Like you know that doesn't get us due from photos. Garden City all day long. It's it's just tough Garden to get City those is contours. An, it's an awesome golf course that you just can't photograph because it's flat. It's surrounded by trees. There's just there's just not enough there to photograph, and you also miss in photographs the depth and the scale of some of the bunkering there, which is just incredible. Oddly, though, Chicago Golf Club, which is also relatively flat, I think photographs very well. But for whatever reason, I have just had a hell of a time I, photographing Garden City in a way that does the course even remote justice to how good it is. That's my answer to that one. I know Garden hey, City you, uh, has a ton. How of... good's that first hole at uh, at, at Garden City? It's awesome. It's a great yeah. short par four with bunkers where you could end up lost in forever. I mean, the, the whole <laughs> course is just incredible, but yeah, it just doesn't cool photograph spot. well. It's just it's very difficult to get photographs of it that 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 actually give you a visual idea of what the course is all about. All right, uh, which uh, which course from Philip Johnson has been the least willing to let you have free reign with your camera? You you said you made a note that you wanted me to ask you this. Well, so, I mean, it depends on, I think the answer to that question depends on what it is that I'm there for. I mean, a lot of my photographs are taken while I'm playing the round of golf. And certainly, I always ask permission to shoot photos while I'm on a golf course. Sometimes I'm at a course because they wanted me to come and take photographs, and that's very easy, uh, obviously. Other places are more sensitive to to photography. Some courses don't mind photography, but they don't want photos of their course shared. Um, and then drone photography is a whole different boat. So I, I won't get into all of it given the time sensitivity here. But I mean, the bottom line is this. I, I always make sure to ask someone at the course, whether it is my host member or whether it is the, the head professional or someone in the shop for permission. Where it gets interesting is when the course or its staff or the the member that's hosting me has a different view on photography than, say, another member or another pro or the the head of the Greens Committee. So in situations like that, there can arise these, these issues where you get permission to photograph, you get permission to share photos, and then somebody else has a problem with it. So when those kinds of situations occur... I'm always I always default to to sensitivity for the club. So if there's anybody involved at a club, a member, a staff member, a pro, anybody at all who has an issue with anything I'm doing, I just don't post or I take it down or I, I, I remove what what I've put up already. And it does happen. It happens very rarely. I think in all the photo, the courses that I've shot, I think I've only ever bumped into that kind of thing two or three times. Uh, and there, it's always a very easy issue to resolve. But I guess my, my point in this is if you're going to do this and you're there as a guest, 
and not specifically to photograph the course's invitation. Just make sure you're asking and you're checking with people to make sure that what you're doing is okay. Yes, yeah, that's, that's good advice. I would uh, I would second that. Um, all right, let's do uh, some overrated underrateds. And I'm sad. There's so many good questions. Um, overrated underrated taking iPhone uh, pano photos. Pano photos? I think that's way underrated. I think all iPhone photos are way underrated. I love the mini pano. Shout out uh, (laughs) Peter Korbakis who taught me it. uh, Very nice. Yeah. What about uh, about golf knickers? That's from Matt Wenmaker. I go underrated, man. show, Show your style, man. Pimp it out. ZB, we yeah, can I'm, see you. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go overrated on that one. <laughs> you, you've got a a, a different throwback uh, passion now, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm deep in the uh, Hickory game. Uh, shout out to uh, Matt Mollica down at. Uh, That's addictive, isn't it? In Oz. Addictive. Oh, it's so good. It's out of control. I got some for uh, Santa. Brought me some for Christmas, so I'm excited to go hit some shots. You know, uh, I think I, I know this guy that I play amateur stuff with in, in Chicago. He's like, uh, he plays in like the U.S. Hickory Open. I'm going to yep. get in that. I got I to gotta get a set of hickories. I Andy, gotta, I hope. think you would love it. I think you, you would, would. Yeah. I wonder if I could get, would, get crooked with uh, a hickory manufacturer, you know. Lu- get, Louisville. Do, Louisville. Do, <laughs> you know, do the uh, the golf blogger thing. Get some handouts. <laughs> crooked crooked andy <laughs> it brings back all the wonderful architectural features that we love it's a yeah, great way I to was, play golf when when we played it uh at royal melbourne i couldn't believe um just how different par fives were you know yep. you get these you get these cross bunkers like 40 yards short 50 yards short of the green that now you're kind of like, why did they even put that there? Mm-hmm. And you quickly realize like, okay, that's, that's why those bunkers are there. Because if you miss hit shots at all, like you're in these death bunkers that, you know, par fives are really whole. Fives are good scores. Way underrated hickories. Yeah. Way underrated. underrated. Those, those bunkers you were talking about, I always write, I'm like, well, they add a lot of interest to layup shots. Or poor drives. Um, so uh, let's see. We got uh, we got another couple good ones in here. We'll just... Oh, friend of the pod, Simon Haynes. When when are we going over the across the pond? Well, first of all, shout out to Simon who uh, runs an absolutely fascinating Twitter account of his own. I call it the Haynes Collection, where he posts old school pictures of golf courses. A lot of times he'll post a photo after I post one that is the same golf course from the same angle from about 80 to a hundred years ago. I don't know where he gets his archive from, but it's, it is, it knows no bounds. He's a great follow. People should follow him on Twitter. Um, the answer to his question is in 2018, I'm going over. I don't care where I play. I don't care how long I'm there for, but at a bare minimum, I'm going over to the UK and I'm playing North Barrick and anywhere else that uh, I can squeeze into to the trip. But there's no way that 2018 is passing without me seeing NB. Yeah, I I, um, I think I'm going to make a trip. I uh, 
ideal world, I'd I'd love to just pick up and live there for three months and spend a month in Ireland, a month in Scotland, and a month in England. But we got to see if the wife mm-hmm. wife can get on board with that. <laughs> if you need, if you need a, yeah, if you need a roommate, let me know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see uh, if anybody you know needs a freelance writer. My wife would be a great one. I'm not sure I could lawyer from the UK, or if my job would be cool with that. But I, there's no harm in checking. Your your uh, your law degree transfers if you're there for golf. I heard. This is uh, if it's not if that's not a real rule. It sounds like it should be. <laughs> um, ZB, you uh, you gonna go anywhere big this year? I feel like you need to go to mid ocean. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Um, I. I like a quick one that's easy for me. I need to go spend some time in uh, San Francisco. Um, but hoping to get back over for the Dunhill Links over across the pond because that's next level golf over there. It's so good. Take the hickories too. Yeah, I really want to do the. Uh, I think the the Heathland courses interest me the most, which might people might say cr- is crazy, but I want to play like walking and you know woking woking. That's so not woke that I mispronounced it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, guys. Thanks for coming on. Happy New Year. Um, If anybody stayed with us to this long, I'm sorry. uh, My apologies, too, but you know how we like to talk when we get talking about golf. Andy, seriously, thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you guys again. It's great to see what you've done with this podcast. Uh, ZB, we got to tee it up sometime soon. In the meantime, I'll uh, I'll look forward to catching you on TV here and there. But uh, I appreciate what you guys do, both of you, and uh, it's always a pleasure talking golf with you. We got to do the yeah, national thanks. round. Yeah, we got to do the national. Yeah, that's that's hundred percent done. Yeah. I, it's I'm on my list of must, it, it, I, I I'm willing to do that and get my ass kicked all over the golf course just for the sake of playing with you guys there. So maybe we'll do the it the Monday after ZB wins the U.S. Open next door. Oh, sick. I love it. That works. I'm in. That works. All right. See you guys. Happy New Year. Okay. See you Take later. care. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you.